Hi, I'm Rebecca Murphy, and this is Engineering Unblocked. Lana Reinhardt has been a software engineer, a co-founder, and a vice president of engineering, including leadership stints at Travis CI and Circle CI. These days, she's an engineering leadership coach and consultant. On today's episode, we talk about those experiences and how they've shaped Lena's perspective of engineering management and managing with metrics. Hi, Lena. Hi, Rebecca. It is so good to see you again. I haven't seen you in 10 years, and then I saw you for like five days in a row a couple weeks ago. So Yes, and now I'm seeing you again here. I'm really excited to talk to you because I've been meaning to speak with you about this whole topic for a while, and so... Sitting here like this, uh, I'm very excited. Me too. And um, we have lots and lots to talk about. I was trying to catch up on everything that you've done since I saw you 10 years ago, and it, there's a lot. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what you what you have been up to and what you're up to today. Well, I, I honestly am still trying to figure out who I am, including in the business context. <laughs> but like that, that also is part of the work that I do now, I guess. So I initially, so I've been working for almost 20 years now, first of all, which makes for like very easily for a lot of things. I got started in finance, um, wanted to become a photographer. My parents made me work at a bank. Um, that's how <laughs> I had the not super unique pleasure of working at a bank during the 2008 financial crisis, um, which is uh, interesting and also um, very helpful again now in the work that I do. <laughs> Who would have thought? Mm. And then I so very uh, accidentally got into tech, um, had my first startup job um, in a very small uh, software as a service, 10 people, everyone does everything company. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of open source work for a couple of years. Uh, was a, I still am an official contributor to Apache CouchDB. I'm just very grateful they don't take those badges away from you once, <laughs> once you've earned them. <laughs> but uh, as someone who doesn't have an engineering background. That was my pride and joy. I did a lot of marketing uh, marketing work for them, community building, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then ended up co-founding a startup um, where I that business background was quite useful. That's also how I got started in management because we were bootstrapped and had to like do consulting work, um, kind of quote unquote on the side, which means as a full-time job while you're also full-time building a product. So I was there, then went on to become VP engineering at Travis CI, um, later on VP product engineering at Circle CI, did hyper growth with them for three years. And now for the last two years, I've been doing coaching, consulting, advisory, organizational development, um, and a lot of just individual work with organizations and leaders. And ultimately the what I really do is basically helping people and organizations navigate complexity and do great work despite and with that complexity, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the fun stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you today was was because of that background that you have in mm. developer tools. And I know you've recently been writing a lot about stuff that I care about quite a bit around metrics um, and using metrics in engineering teams. So mm-hmm. um, hoping we can talk about all that and more today. Oh, yeah. Maybe start out, what drew you to developer tools? Like, I kind of wandered my way there mm-hmm. through front end. You wandered your way there through a bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and front-end, actually. How did you gravitate toward developer tools? Or was it purposeful or just happened? The main reason I got into DevTools was because people asked me to bring my business expertise to help them get a software product off the ground. And so I didn't really get into DevTools. I just, honestly, I just needed a job to pay my rent. <laughs> um, and, you know, I liked the people I was going to work with. I already knew them from the open source work I've been doing. And then I did, I mean, I did stick around. I think I did DevTools in some shape or form probably for eight years. And 
I mean, I I do love the whole idea of it. I mean, enabling people and, and understanding what they need in order to do great work and um, be successful at what they do and enjoy it. Um, ideally, um, like that's, that's just fun work. And I've, I think it's a great honor and pleasure to be able to do that kind of work. And then especially if they, when later on first as VP engineering with Travis, when we think I mean, we, were, we were about 50 people in engineering and at CircleCI at some point over 200 engineers alone. And then, you know, you're in a position where you're building a product that you're using yourself, but you're also building it for a much greater magnitude. Um, like the just impact is just so incredible and hard to fathom. And so that's honestly one of the reasons why I also stuck around for it. And of course, like there's the whole discourse effect. What makes humans productive? How do people exist in the workplace? Um, and that's something that's always really interested me, both from an individual perspective, um, but also in terms of just building. How do I build a team, an organization where people can do their best work? Um, and how can what role can tools play in that? You've been in a ton of leadership positions um, and now you're coaching leaders. One thing that I know is really hard as a leader is, especially the, the bigger your scope becomes, is just maintaining situational awareness of what's even happening in your organization. This is probably really easy when it's you and your four friends, and it's probably a lot harder when you're trying to understand what's going on with, with a couple hundred engineers. What have you learned? What have you done wrong? What do you do right now? <laughs> what do you do correctly? today. I, I love that you call it um, situational awareness because I usually just frame it as visibility, but I, I love the specificity of like situational awareness because that very much dives with what I tell people about and also have learned about it, which is that it's a very, yeah, it's a very situational thing. You need to basically stay, be on it at all times. So what have you learned about it? I mean, honestly, first of all, to your assumption that this is easier to do with like your four friends, but uh, it can also happen that um, you learn at some point that you were not as aware as you thought you were. So I think the first point that I'd probably start with is like, what what is the point of the situational awareness? Um, coincidentally, I'm working on an article right now about my favorite metrics and spent a lot of time thinking about basically exactly that yesterday. And I think there's there's two big purposes like the one part is that of course like ultimately sure there's me as the leader of the team and my job is to at all times first of all have an understanding of how we are doing in terms of just how are we spending our money are we achieving our goals uh, are we creating waste along the way that's the whole effectiveness efficiency stuff as part of that also how are the people doing and as the second part, though, I think the situational awareness is not just for me. And I think for me, that's an important part of it. Mm -hmm. um, like if I'm the only person that has a sense of what's going on in the organization, that's a problem. To me, the whole point of this is also that it, like the situational awareness and the tools that I use for it, it's about creating the culture that I want in my organization. Because having visibility, all of those things are also tools to create accountability to make sure that we are actually all aware of what everyone's doing. Of course, not to a point where like, I need to be on everyone and micromanaging everyone at all times, but we're generally, we have a sense of what's going on. We have the situational awareness and there's the culture of like, continuous learning. If we don't know how we're doing, we will not be able to improve and all that. And so I think basically even just breaking those things apart and that I like, guess one part is about me and just me doing my job. <laughs> And the other part is 
that in itself is also a tool for how I build my organizations. I think the, the first part is just like understand that visibility and situational awareness is your job. And I, when I say your job, I don't just mean someone who has like a formal leader or manager title. I honestly think, especially if you're in an organization that's at least run somewhat along the lines of modern DevOps principles, like visibility is everyone's job. And if the visibility isn't there, that is a huge lack. And that also means, for example, if you're a junior engineer, like you should still have visibility into like what your team's goals are, what your team's metrics are, um, how you're doing against those goals. Like ask for that visibility if you don't have it. So that's honestly, that's the very basic starting point. And that sounds so again basic, um, but at the same time, I would say, I mean, I do a lot of organizational development at this point and most startups, scale-ups, even corporations that I work with, that in itself, honestly, is the first very big goal. And that can take a year to even get some rudimentary visibility even into place, especially if it's visibility that's not just, for example, about the company finance, because like, let's be honest, finance teams are typically really good, but a lot of engineering organizations are just really terrible at it. And there's so many reasons and making initial investments even in basically like what do we even know about our systems about how things work about our architecture even just honestly in growing organizations first of all retaining someone who can speak to the architecture <laughs> and maintaining an up-to-date architectural diagram again is a part of visibility and can be one that can be incredibly hard to actually do um, I've worked with several teams now where basically we would maintain a, a Zoom recording of one person walking through the architecture of our system. That would be the thing that would get shared during onboarding. And then in a, in a good year, we would be able to update that every three months. Visibility is my job. What visibility do we actually have? And then at the in the first place, the biggest visibility goal is often to just like... <laughs> get from no visibility to some visibility. And then the next step is usually understanding, oh, now we either see way too much, we're getting swamped with errors um, that we're not going to be able to address or whatnot. Um, but then then you can actually start sorting things out from there. Um, so that's the sort of more implementation focused side. The other side for me, if I come into an organization, I usually run an assessment with like, how, how are they doing? Where are things at? And visibility for me is usually probably at least 60% of that. <laughs> Because even the question like, you know, what metrics are you all using to run your company or to run your engineering organization? Um, how are those metrics discussed? Um, does, you know, do, do people speak about those? Um, who has access to them? A lot of organizations are weirdly cagey about not wanting metrics to be shared down to lower level line managers, which I think is absolutely terrible because those are the people who are deciding how everyone spends their time every day. Like they have a huge freaking lever for efficiency, productivity, and all of those good things. As part of that, also, how do your goals, how are your goals set? How do they roll up? How do you tell how far you are in with your quarterly goals, for example. All of those really rudimentary questions are usually incredibly good signals um, about how an organization is doing, because ultimately, like having that visibility means that you have a grasp on how your organization is performing, which also means you can take action if it's not right. performing the way you want it to. One of my favorite questions to ask um, when I run those assessments is um, what happens in your organization when goals aren't met? And honestly, typically the answer is just nothing. Um, and then, of course, like I ask, well, you know, tell me a bit more about that. Like, do, do you just continue? Do you pretend that that didn't happen? Um, but I found that visibility is such a wonderful 
um, starting point for basically pulling threads on an organization's well-being and then basically seeing the whole thing unravel. And also at the same time, like I don't want to just be sort of lots of when it's not working at the same time, visibility can also be a really powerful tool for building an organization, for building the culture that you want and the, getting the productivity and the goal achievement that your business needs. So what you just said on the one hand sounds obvious, but it doesn't sound easy uh, at all, especially if you have an organization that hasn't been investing in any of that. And, you know, there, there's this is stuff that is relatively easy to invest in when you're small and gets a lot harder to invest in as you get larger and larger. On the flip side, the problems of not having visibility don't necessarily show up until you're at a point where you are probably full of regret that you haven't done anything about it yet. How do you help organizations re- reshape their priorities and reshape kind of how they're how they're thinking about work so that they get this stuff in place and, and don't just keep developing product blindly? Good question. I found that the answer really just depends on essentially what the pain points are for the company leaders. Like I I found that especially with higher level leadership teams you need to figure out where the the pain is felt. Um, otherwise, it's going to be really hard to get get those kinds of really large changes into motion. Honestly, at some point, you'll probably have your finance person come to you and say, "Like, here's all the engineering money that we're spending. Here's you know, here's your budget. It's a chunky number. Um, it's a big boy, as they say in the <laughs> so I used to work in finance. I know the, the terms." <laughs> And um, are we are we getting out of this money what we thought we would spend? Um, and that is typically when you have a bit of a problem um, because you probably have no way of answering that question aside from a, I, I guess so. <laughs> um, we we could have done worse, and then you start pulling initiatives uh, and and start and talk to your product folks and whatnot and start justifying the investments that you've made retroactively. Like that point comes from many businesses at some point, especially if you're a scale-up, you're trying to go public. There's a lot of things that just need to happen in terms of like regulations and whatnot, where visibility is just an important part of it. Which also, like, I think is you know, it's a good pointer that like um, there are state regulations in place for visibility because it is an important thing or that situational awareness. So figuring out the pain point, finance is often one. <laughs> Um, another pain point is often just that a leader can't basically isn't capable of continuing with things anymore because they're not getting the same budgets they used to. I mean, at the moment, that's a that's a big issue. Um, a lot of like engineering budgets have been cut um, or even just development budgets. Um, so a lot of it just often comes down to money and figuring out basically what what are the pain points and what are what are the things that are going to actually motivate organizations to change important but i focus mostly on sort of high level leadership right now or so far i always find it really important to look at essentially the low levels of the organization so when i start working with orgs um, one thing that i do is basically run interviews through all levels of the hierarchy and speak a lot to individual engineers as well as line managers like for single teams because improving visibility can and I think at some point it has to be like an organizational focus and you'll probably have to invest some time and money and tooling into making this happen. But you'll never get there if you don't take the people in your teams along. And now the thing is, typically by the point that high-level leaderships 
the leadership members complain or you know, have concerns about low visibility. That's that's the lagging indicator. <laughs> like, um, that that means like th those are usually some of the last people who feel it. Um, the pain has very likely already been felt for a really long time at low levels in your organization. How's that pain been felt by engineers getting woken up um, in the middle of the night unnecessarily for production um, issues that they haven't either had, not had the budget to fix or haven't had the skills or haven't been able to coordinate work with other teams or the pains being felt by just everything taking forever because there's too many dependencies in your system and teams have to just work together way too much. Or the pain's been felt just in teams not feeling like they're getting things done because they have to wait 10 hours for a build until they can actually get things get things live. Like those, like the daily paper cuts, your teams have likely been feeling those for a very long time until you're actually aware of them. And so I found that understanding like what are the actual things, because like teams usually have a list. They have a list of things that they would love to tackle. And, and, that, and that list is very likely also going to be very tightly connected with your visibility problems. Um, you'll just have to make that connection. How does that happen that leadership becomes so disconnected from what's going on? You talked about like when leadership realizes that it's a it's a lagging indicator. What are some leading indicators that people can actually be on the lookout for to say, mm. oh, we have a we have a problem here? Mm. To your to the first part of the question, I think in terms of how it happens, is a lot of scale ups have gone through that in the last couple of years, right? They they've just grown very, very quickly. Um oftentimes in higher levels of leadership, you've had folks who don't have a ton of experience, don't know what good looks like, um, don't necessarily know how to train other leaders up, and don't know how to basically yeah, how to operationalize um, situational awareness. You know, what metrics do I need in place at what point in time? Like probably, you know, Dora metrics, great framework. Do you need them when you're 20 people and just trying to figure out product market fit? Maybe, maybe not. A lot of things are overkill when you're early stage, but then as you said earlier, at some point you probably realize that now you need it and then it's kind of too late. And if you don't manage to bring in discipline quite early on and with discipline, I mean sort of process discipline, you know, good leaders, but also both from a technical and people perspective at various levels who are able to bring in some structures who know what good looks like and who basically may manage to you know, create visibility upwards and downwards throughout the organization using metrics, but also just having the right conversations, then I think it's very easy to, you know, become very blind because ultimately also like from the flip side, I don't necessarily blame executives there because a big part of that job is leading at a very high abstraction layer. And that's what makes it very hard in a lot of ways and makes it very easy to, you know, for example, decide mass layoffs because then you're at a high abstraction level. That's just how these roles are designed. Um, and so I think unless you're really making early investments and those are the right investments and a lot of companies have just struggled with doing that, it's honestly very easy to miss. And to the second part of your question, what kind of leading indicators um, should you look out for? I mean, honestly, just like for me, the question, like how much do I feel like I have a grasp on how our organization is doing? Like for me, that is just one of the most important ones. And, and that 
Obviously, like, I have a bunch of experience now that feeds that kind of instinct. Um, but it's not just that. It's also like a part of, okay, for example, sure, we maybe don't have a ton of metrics that we're using yet. It's fine. But are we are we on track with getting those in place? Does everyone in our teams actually, are they using metrics to make decisions? Um, are they using them to improve? Do they feel like they have control there? Do I have confidence in the direction that we're moving in? Do I feel like I have a good sense or we have a good sense as an organization of the risks that we're dealing with and, and how we're tackling those? So ultimately, I think that do I have a sense of what's going on and then do others? Like if I feel like I'm confident in what's going on, my boss says, well, Lena, hell no, um, then well, that's a, that's a good conversation starter. <laughs> um, or same, same with my direct reports. I think honestly, that simple question is just a really good place to start because um, if there, there's going to be a breakdown somewhere, you're going to have a conversation with someone who says, yeah, I don't, I don't think I know what's going on. And then you can figure out why that is. So we agree that metrics should exist. <laughs> there's no question about that. And that they're yes. really powerful when they do exist. What have you seen as far as actually successfully rolling out a metrics program? And maybe I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like making too big a deal out of it, but I definitely know that developers can feel you know, watched mm -hmm. if you start to if you start to watch them and start to start to assign numbers to something that, that they consider perhaps a more intellectual endeavor. What have you seen work to start to introduce these in a way that's actually healthy for the organization and mm -hmm. doesn't freak out the people who are who are being measured? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've worked with a lot of companies on that and I've also dealt with a couple of them where people were basically actively refusing and, and like threatening to quit if if that metrics thing was going to go through and I will say they were there were cases where ultimately leadership decided that they didn't feel like it was worth it like I wow. didn't agree with that decision but that's a story for another podcast I'm actually curious about that mm -hmm. though because one thing that that people ask me often is how do you do this in a low trust environment because yeah. maybe that's the the most interesting thing um mm -hmm. if you're in a high trust environment and it's a small company then this is mm -hmm. this is probably pretty easy i think where it becomes harder mm -hmm. is when you don't have that trust built up between leadership and mm -hmm. the folks yeah i mean i would say honestly i found that basically the whole we want to introduce metrics um discussion is basically even in most cases, turns like a self-described high trust environment into one where there's at least a bunch of doubt about how good that trust actually is. And I, I will say, like, understandably so. Um, I think with all of this, there is there are just two parts. There's one part where there are just no guarantees. Like if I, as a leader in an organization, tell people, you know, not here to weaponize this against you, yada, yada. Sure. But, but also, am I going to be around forever? What's the next person who's coming and what are they going to do with the systems that are in place then? So I think there is a part that just can't be sort of negotiated or change managed away. And I think that's very, like that part is very justified to, to be part of the conversation. And, and so that's why basically I honestly treat any metrics rollout as basically one in a low trust environment. And um, just because people will have concerns, there are also legal implications depending on where your company is operating. Um, you have a variety of different requirements in terms of just what people 
are legally, you know, required to be made aware of when when data is gathered about them. I think that's a good thing um, that, that, that there are these kinds of legal protections in place. Um, but there are these foundations where you can't just YOLO your way through, um, like through a metrics rollout. Um, it's, you, you shouldn't YOLO your way through a lot of leadership things in general. But that's just like my free advice today. <laughs> I'm a big fan of basically change through influence. Like Esther Derby's done a lot of really great work there, um, and. The first thing that I find incredibly important to understand is like, why the, why the heck do we even want to do this? Because, and that's so easy to forget, but like metrics are not the solution. They are a tool to solve a problem, but in the metrics and, and it's like metrics with a capital M and a capital E and, and whatnot discourse um, that easily gets forgotten. They are a tool, like what is the problem you're trying to solve? And I think a lot of, and I, say, I know I say a lot of basic things today that, that just from my experience, I know are very, very hard to do. And this is one of them because yes, like I've gotten mandates from, you know, from my bosses or from whatever oversight um, committees or whatnot to, to track certain metrics, sure. Where it's basically just like, well, we, we have to know this metric period. That, that is also a problem to solve. It's not my favorite way of defining a problem statement, but my boss really needs this for their reporting can be a problem statement. But really scope out well what problem you're trying to solve. Um, like, are you trying to, you know, be better about your spending? And what does that actually mean? Like, define those things and define those things as a leadership team. Um, I think the other part is one of the reasons you and I are here to talk about today is figure out as part of it, like what, what you want to use the metrics for. Like I love basically um, teasing apart metrics based on whether metrics are for a group or whether they are about a group. Um, so metrics for a team um, are essentially metrics that the team uses themselves to make decisions, improve how they're doing, um, iterate, together they review those metrics regularly they know them they see how the trends are going and the metrics are a tool for the team i found those metrics really crucial and the same you can do that at an organization or domain level doesn't matter it works anywhere giving a group metrics as a tool to solve their problems can make a metrics rollout a lot easier because ultimately metrics shouldn't just be a thing that you use to basically monitor your employees or actually they it shouldn't be that at all. Metrics should be a tool to help you get visibility or to well, yeah, be more mindful of your spending or whatever else you want to do. And they can be a great tool to help teams self-improve. So use them for that, which also means like rolling out metrics can also start with, first of all, where do we have pockets of trust to the whole like low trust conversation earlier? If you, I mean, if you don't have trust in your teams at all, then you probably, you probably shouldn't think about metrics, but just like, redoing your entire organization but like let's assume you have trust somewhere at the team level or in in sub teams there are some pockets then have people start talking about where do they lack visibility what are the things that they wish they had more insight into um, where do they actually feel a need to have a better grasp on how they're doing how things are going or or even of just like what's getting in their way um, a lot of engineers love basically getting blockers removed because it's annoying it it's it, bugging them 
So basically using, like finding the pockets of trust and, and understanding the problems that people are facing there and how those problems line up with the ones that you're trying to solve at a higher level when it comes to visibility. And that's probably the biggest one, like the, the quote unquote metrics rollout conversation shouldn't be a metrics rollout conversation. It should be a conversation about the problems that we have as an organization and metrics being a part of addressing those I don't want people to just randomly, you know, monitor my my keystrokes. Um, and that's the other thing, like define the problem well, work with people at lower levels to understand what problems they're dealing with, figure out how metrics can be part of that. But also people will likely also need other things that aren't just metrics. They may need, for example, if I've run a lot of product engineering teams where I, we needed more help from the product teams. Um, we also needed better alignment on, you know, how many technical investments we were able to make in order to get, for example, like less interruptions on our work. So make it like zoom out, make it a bigger thing and don't just make it about the rolling out metrics. And as part of that, that also means you need to arrive at things that are meaningful. My favorite example is employee engagement. Um, so many companies now run employee engagement surveys generally decent idea. Most companies that I hear from run these surveys and then I ask them, and you know, what do you do with the survey of results? And they're like, well, nothing. We review them as a leadership team and, and, and the, or, you know, or HR reviews them. Yeah. We as a leadership team don't have access to them. And that is absolutely terrible. Like employee engagement can be such a helpful metric, but what happens is that people actually submit that information. People often, like, I, I, I love reading employee engagement surveys. They're so, so insightful. People have really good ideas. But then if you don't actually utilize this metric and utilizing the metric means you play back to people what you've heard in this case. You run a meeting, you say, hey, here's what we're hearing from you. Here's an aggregate of the, here's the patterns. Uh, you tell people what you decided to do with it. Here are the actions that we're going to take. Here are the things that we won't do anything about. Dear employees, because we can't, we don't have the budget, whatever the reasons, here's why we made those decisions, here's what's going to come next, um, here are the next steps that we're taking on this, here's how you hold us accountable, and here's also how you give us feedback on how we did this whole process. That's how you use a metric. And that's the same thing with like whatever the metric is, but if you're not actually using it, um, and I do think that's where metric rollouts are a great example. Let's say you've been doing these employee engagement surveys, nothing happened with them. How should people trust that you're going to make better use of other metrics that you're rolling out? Um, so I think as part of that, it's also worth taking a really hard look at how you've been running your organization so far. The whole leading by example is another very basic thing, but I think there's a lot of power in like you as a leadership team starting to use the metrics that you already have, because you likely you have one or two things that you're looking at on a regular basis, or even just saying, hey, team, I wanted to share with you, here are things that we're looking at as an executive team on a regular basis. Wanted to make that transparent, and then you talk about that next month again. So I think there are also, in terms of building culture where people have an interest in those things, there's so much more that you can do than just starting with, hey, we're dropping our big bucket of metrics and that's the hammer coming down now and now deal with it. Sounds like you've had a lot of opportunity to you know, experience this sort of thing firsthand. Tell me about a time that maybe it didn't go so well. Yeah, full disclosure, I have a couple to choose from. So um, the one that I think um, I learned most from was a company I worked with and I'd been brought in in middle 
management-ish position. Um, one of the reasons they had brought me in was that I had a lot of prior experience, um, including with like so professionalizing organizations, introducing that discipline that I mentioned earlier in terms of like you know, process, situational awareness, visibility, um, all that. And in hindsight, I realized they were trying to undergo a culture change. Like at the time, I didn't really get that, to be honest. Um, I was still quite inexperienced myself in a lot of ways, but still had more experience than a couple of other people I was working with. And so what happened was that essentially um, there was a, they tried to roll out OKRs for the first time. That was at a time when OKRs were still, I think, quite new, um, still hyped. And the whole thing went sideways basically immediately. Like employees were outraged is probably an understatement. Um, we're not happy. The management team became divided about it with some people who basically took the employee side and said, you know, hey, um, we should we should just not measure. We should just trust people that they're doing the, the right thing and that they're doing the work. The leadership team infighting became sort of trickled more into the organization um, and became more known and the whole thing just went it went completely off off the handle. In the end, basically none of that happened. Um, the teams kept working the way they had uh, prior. The company didn't recover well from that kind of dispute is really an understatement. So that that worked really terribly. It's been something that I've been thinking a lot about in the last years since, because it's, it's been a while. And also, you know, especially, you know, what are the things that I could have done differently and how could I have bridged gaps or also navigated this? If I had a bit of a translation function between higher and lower level leadership, one big thing that I just learned from, from that is ultimately like, yeah, how much the context matters. Like when I, when I said earlier a couple of times, things like, Hey, it's not about the metrics. The metrics are a tool. They're not the solution. Similar with like, okay, our process. I mean, we love our frameworks, um, but none of them matter. What matters is that um, people actually understand what you're trying to do and that you understand what you're trying to do. I think also, um, especially as a leadership team, the fact that we weren't all on the same page about it wasn't helping. Like I make a very conscious effort with even when I just come in as an organization developer, for example, or as a consultant or interim leader, we speak with one voice because otherwise it's just not it's just not good leadership and it's not going to be helpful. And I also think we should have done much more work early on to basically understand like what the actual problems are that the employees are concerned with. Like as I mentioned earlier, the whole like find the pockets of trust, understanding what are the impediments that engineers are dealing with. What are the things that could help them? How are, for example, you know, an OKR process or metrics, how how can those be part of the equation? But also honestly, having those conversations sort of a bit open-minded. Like if I go in to a chat with the team and basically already know at the back of my mind, I really just want to convince them that they really need to use Dora metrics. It's not going to help my listening ear. <laughs> um, it's like having, having genuinely <laughs> open conversations and really trying to understand. And I think we also should have, you know, to your whole point about situational awareness, I think we also should have been much more aware already, basically initially of like how, how big this, this topic was going to get and um, that we would either need to prepare much better 
you know, in terms of actually like making this a much longer process, involving people much more in designing what this would look like, um, what and how metrics would be used, maybe, you know, policies and guardrails that they would want in place to prevent uh, misuse things. Like those are all things you can do. This would make it a much more collaborative thing and less a thing that's sort of kind of dropped down on them. Or we should have decided to basically, if worst comes to worst, accept that, you know, for example, part of the employee base was going to resign. We should have been much more aware of the risks and also of what price we were willing to pay. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it is not always fun to reflect on those, on those mistakes of the past, but we learn from them, right? Lessons learned, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think I think especially um, a lot that I've learned in terms of how to how to actually roll out metrics and similarly, you know, large changes, how to roll those out well and in a way that actually gets people excited and on board. Because that's the thing that like, we're, we're, we've been talking a lot about sort of the downsides <laughs> and the, the parts that are tough with this. But this this is like metrics can be so valuable for having the right conversations for getting people excited. Um, and that doesn't just include freaking executives, <laughs> I guess, but also like engineers and teams. That's possible even in an organization where people are just more hesitant or they've made bad experiences. Um, so I also don't want to gloss over that part. I love metrics and I know you do too. Elena, it's been just a delight to talk with you again. Tell me where can people find you if they want to know more about you or get in touch? Find me on LinkedIn. This is such a weird thing to say, but that's currently the best place I have. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I also have a website. It's lenareiner.com. Um, I also have, um, on the whole metrics topic, I have a new workshop series coming up. We're launching in January is the first cohort. It's going to start. Um, you can still sign up. I'm doing a workshop about uh, maximizing team impact and efficiency. Well, thank you again so much. What a treat. And um, I hope I see you again sometime soon. Same. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It was a pleasure. And that's the show. Engineering Unblocked is brought to you by Swarmia, where we're building the tools that help the best software teams get better. With Swarmia, modern engineering organizations get the visibility they need to build the right things faster. You can find more episodes at unblocked.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.